0: good morning afternoon good day wherever you're listening from another one of our mindfulness at ibm podcasts with me is Lele. hey 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 cheers and our our cousin i think our, our cousin from another mother uh sister cousin i don't know what we're calling it these days but our, a our colleague bit. and friend yeah a little, little brother <laughs> little brother uh a colleague and a friend for a few years now from uh, Red Hat, who's with us today,
1: Lately?
2: Yes, sir. Welcome to the Mindfulness at the BM podcast. Thank
1: you for being here. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Always inspired by all the work that you guys do and how consistent you are about it. So, it's uh, I've benefited so much from all the things that you all have done. So, I'm, I'm uh, happy to have some time here today and, and, uh, and hopefully maybe share something that's been beneficial for me too.
2: Cool. Uh, actually you know just to, in, to to share with our community we we mostly you know created and started this podcast for uh, informing every week uh, and putting together the community so we we invited uh, many you know practice leaders and IBMers and executives that they were just sharing the way uh, how they discover mindfulness and uh, what they do with it and how they got transformed by it right so I, I would actually offer you the um the opportunity to 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 share the same but also i would like to know a bit how how is going in, in Red hat and what is the the mindfulness journey in, uh, in in you know in that part of uh of the world
1: yeah yeah i
2: think every you know as you said it's a journey right
1: and i guess how i would describe my journey not unlike many people i'm sure we've had certain things in our life that mm-hmm. uh that call us to kind of maybe think a little bit deeper about who we are, where we're going. And I, like many people, had certain things in in my life that kind of called me to that. And as I was doing that, uh, kind of my own self-work and self-exploration, one of the things that kind of came across my my search uh, many years ago, probably like five years ago, maybe almost six now, was uh, mindfulness. And I was intrigued. So I did a Google search. I found more about it. And as someone who comes from you know, a spiritual tradition, the idea of gathering attention, being uh, fully present for something was uh, always something very important, but it's not really that clear how to cultivate it. So uh, while I was doing research on mindfulness, I came across an organization some may have heard of called Search Inside Yourself, and they had a program that's been adopted by a lot of corporations around mindfulness. So I actually applied to the program. And I got certified in mindfulness. And since then, I've had the opportunity to uh, share from what I've learned and from what's benefited me within Red Hat. And it's been it's been a really wonderful journey. So Search Inside Yourself really was one of my first exposures on a um, formal level of learning mindfulness, learning the meditations, learning how to how to actually uh, present it as well. And so it's been it's been a wonderful opportunity for me to work on myself as well as share, as I said, share from what's what's benefited me. So Red Hat is a little more. uh, We call it an open org. So it's not as centralized as the mindfulness community at um, at IBM, but we have several different folks, really wonderful resources within Red Hat that are that are providing mindfulness programming, mindfulness training, mindfulness meditations on a weekly basis. And uh, and it's been great to see how it's just been kind of getting traction and growing. So I'm part of it. I'm actually in the public sector group, so I've been doing it mainly within the public sector. And as I said, we've had pockets in different areas as well. So it's been it's been a really great journey. And uh, it's been also really fantastic to see the level at which both Red Hat People as well as my leadership and other folks within Red Hat have have really kind of encouraged it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been lots of uh, lots of Red Hat mindfulness in, in IBM these past <laughs> few years or so. So grateful, great, grateful to you.
1: Yeah, yeah a lot of great great cross pollination. And like I said, I'm really inspired by all the work you all have done at IBM. And, uh, and it's, been, it's been a real pleasure to, to, to get to know you guys and some of the other folks, some of the other great resources within IBM as well.
2: And that's interesting. I don't know how, how it works in, uh, in Red Hat, but in, in IBM, you always discover at least every month a new uh, spontaneous group that started somewhere, Right. Uh, around the world, right? That they had no idea about the existence of the mindfulness community. I, I actually had a, a conversation today about with someone that you know, started to put together some groups because wanted to share mindfulness with uh, older people, right? Like, it's not the, the interesting thing is that nobody was asking to do it, right? It's just simple, you know, peer to peer. That I feel the value of mindfulness. I want to share it, right? Uh, And then there is a community that, you know, with this podcast as well, tries to put it together, but um, uh, it will never actually uh, perhaps satisfy everyone, right? Because there is much more and more, right? So maybe the question to you, Yasir, is why you think it's um, uh, there are so many people, right? You know, Red Hat, in IBM, and I, I guess in many other companies that are willing to spend their own free time, right? to share about mindfulness, right? Why is it so important? Mm. Well, I guess I can only speak to my journey. Um, But from the
1: conversations I've had, it's not unlike many people, which is we felt the benefit. I mean, in this day and age when they call it attention fragmentation, where our attention is kind of being dragged so many different ways and it's fragmented. You know, with that being the case and the stress and anxiety and all the other things that we're all facing, all of us are facing, attention is our life. And so when attention is fragmented, for me, it feels oftentimes like my life is fragmented and a fragmented life is a life where we are kind of always feel like we're burned out, we're running behind. And one of the beauties, of course, that mindfulness has shown, and these are, of course, through many, many, many studies, thousands of studies now, it's pretty conclusive is mindfulness has the capacity to allow us to develop that emotional awareness or emotional intelligence, actually, to become more self-aware. And then once we become more self-aware, then we can begin to beca- have better self-management. And once we have better self-management, we become aware of where we are and we can start to manage better. It's a beautiful thing. And then on top of that, as you, we continue to do that and become more aware and self-manage ourselves, then we can begin to have more self-compassion and extend that compassion to others. So I I would say that, you know, Lily that uh, I think a lot of us have felt the benefits of it. And the beauty of a lot of the mindfulness community folks is they felt the benefits and they're very passionate about sharing it. Uh, I know that's the case with you, too. And uh, that's the case with me as well, because it's something that we that conclusively science has proven, you know, is helpful and then we've experientially also felt it and we've also i'm sure you guys even more than me when you do share it it's it's a beautiful thing to see how folks who may have not been exposed to it before when they do experience it uh to what extent people feel feel the benefits and and it's really been really pretty cool how some of the even sometimes short presentations i've done i've seen some people actually pick it up and run with it and i've had people send me screenshots of if they're on an app like headspace or whatever and they're like i just hit a thousand hours or something like that and the level at which they've uh, you know impacted their lives both from a professional perspective but probably even more you know more importantly uh, from a personal perspective you know better fathers better mothers better uh, spouses just you know happier in general more joyful Better to live life consciously and be able to appreciate uh, moment to moment. So it's it's like I said, it's been a wonderful journey for me, and it's been a wonderful journey to uh, share from you know what little I've learned to to help uh, enable others as well.
0: So there's hope.
1: There's hope. <laughs> <laughs> there's always hope. Yeah, there's hope, and that's that's such a beautiful topic because hope. Uh, <sighs> Hope is such an important part of the human experience, and many, you know, many. If you look at spiritual traditions, if you look at research, hope is such an important thing to cultivate for for all humans, and um, and that's been something recently that I've been I've been kind of uh, kind of been thinking about to do a better job of of kind of cultivating that within myself as well.
2: Hold on. Like uh, one, uh, one thing that um, I, I I I learned right when I practice mindfulness is like that the only thing that exists is the present, right? So the past is past, cannot be you know uh, taken back or anything. The future actually is just a prospect that doesn't exist, right? And the present is the only thing we have, right? might be, every moment might be the last moment. So it's, it's worth actually to live it and experience it and enjoy it, right? As a beginner's mind and, or maybe as the last moment you ever had, right? So it's precious, but hope is part of the future, right? So how come it's, it's so important to, to cultivate it, right?
1: Yeah. Hope is so important because, um, as you said, I mean, the future, you're not living in the future, but the reality of the human condition is that we have our default mode network, negativity bias, and typically when that part of our brain, default mode network, is running, which runs by default when we're not focused on something, we typically think about the past, all the things that we've messed up, or about all the ways things in the future can, can get messed up. Hope is important because even if you're living in the present, all of us are going to have times at which where we need to be more resilient times at which things are bogging us down, times at which that we in the present have a hard time persevering, let's say, uh, times at which where we feel hopeless, where we feel in the present moment that I don't, even if we're in the present moment, I don't see how X, Y, or Z situation is going to get better. So hope is important in the present moment because it helps us to ground ourselves that by being hopeful, we think that whatever we're going through right now, we have a we have a good chance of actually, you know, uh, a good chance of of moving the ball forward, and that can impact resilience. It can impact our uh, mindset. It can impact how we how we deal with the present moment. So there's an interesting study that was done actually in the 1950s by a professor at Johns Hopkins. It's kind of a kind of a uh, uh, a little bit of a morbid study, but it was really interesting. So what he did is he found out that, and there's a few things to it, but I'll try to cut to the chase. He found out that wild rats can swim for about 60 hours. So wild rats, you take a Norwegian wild rat, they can swim 60 hours, you know, pretty much nonstop. What he did is he put them in a bucket of water and he found when he put the wild rats in the bucket of water, confined, they would drown within a few minutes. So he was like, what is going on? Why are these wild rats that in the wild, they can swim for a long time, but in this confined space, they immediately drown. So he tried to tweak this, tweaked this test. What he did is he took the wild rats, put them in there, and before they would actually drown, he would pick them up and he would hold them for a few minutes and then put them back down. And so what he did is he found that when he did the final test for these rats that he picked up and put, put back down, they actually were able to swim for dozens of hours. So the point is, he was like, well, what's going on? And the researchers, what they basically concluded is that the rats, when they knew or when they felt like, hey, I actually might get saved, they were able to go much longer. So he actually, to quote him, he said, after the elimination of hopelessness, the rats did not die. So hope is important because in our daily lives, even if we're present, the rat was very present swimming. but. It was getting exhausted. It didn't see how it going to, all it could see was the actual swimming. But hope, so to speak, allowed it to see that, well, let me keep on going. And he actually further said in his study, he said, the situation of these rats scarcely seems one demanding fight or flight. It is rather one of hopelessness. The rats are in a situation which they have no defense. They seem literally to give up. And in the moment in all of our lives, sometimes we feel like giving up. And that's why hope is so important. And they've done many studies about the the benefits of hope and how it's actually helped. It's significantly correlated with um, academic and athletic performance, greater physical and psychological well-being, improved self-esteem, motivation, enhanced personal interpersonal relationships, sometimes in our in, in our relationships. It doesn't seem like if I'm dealing with my spouse at times that it, it doesn't seem hopeful. I don't think she'll ever understand me. She always gets it wrong. Or I might say to myself, I always get it wrong. So hope even in our interpersonal relationships has been shown to improve them. Because even in the moment, as you said, Lily, in the moment, sometimes we lose the trees from the forest. And hope can even help us get overall better life satisfaction protect against chronic anxiety it can help us to of course reduce stress as well and enhance our overall well-being over time so it's a
2: it's it's a great question actually that you mentioned Um, how far-fetched should be the hope because you know I, i could imagine hope for you know the next 10 years or for dying at 90s right or something like that or you can just hope to just live the next moment and this just makes you going on and on because it's just another moment after another one I can enjoy. So how how would you, in what scale you would position the hope? Yeah. And I think one of the points here to mention is
1: it's, it's a really important distinction. Hope is not just empty positive thinking that, oh, you know, uh, you know, uh, it's it's hope as they define it. It is something that actually it's a quality that actually is related to resilience. It's a quality that's actually related to moving forward. So it's an, it's an idea that with hope, keeping hope alive is allowing us to think that, hey, we can still move forward, which is why, if you look at uh, drug addictions particularly, the quality that they talk about in drug counselors, the number one, and I've done some, some uh, certifications in, in America on this, hope is the most important thing. For a person that's a drug addict is that things can get better so it it's not a it's not just an optimistic positive thinking but it's something grounded in a reality and understanding of you know where things can go so yeah so it's it's uh it's you know to go even a little bit further uh it's something that's been studied quite a bit and there's actually a a gentleman by the name of Dr. Snyder, who came up with a a model for hope. hope. And he said, there's three distinct components of hope. And he said, hopefulness is a life-sustaining human strength composed of three distinct but related components. So this is where we get a little technical now. Um, And the first one, he said, the first component of hope is goals thinking. It's the clear conceptualization of valuable goals. So the first thing in hope is I have some type of goal. So, for example, if it's drug addiction, if it's an interpersonal relationship, just being able to conceive a goal is the first step of hope. Just even conceiving that I think things could get better and what do they look like? The second component of hope is pathways thinking. And that's, as he defined, it's the capacity to develop specific strengths to reach those goals, specific strengths and strategies. So now I know what, even in, it seems a little bit far-fetched, but I know that I could one day do X, Y, or Z. So that's the goal. The second is then I have a strategy. I have a pathway to get there. Then the third important thing is he calls it agency thinking. And that basically means the ability to initiate and sustain the motivation for using those strategies. It really means that I have agency, that I have the ability, that I can actually make a change in my life. So that's where hope is so, so important. And again, it's not necessarily just some far-fetched wishful thinking, it's associated with some type of movement even if it's just internally so there's hope but it's it, it, yeah. so it, that's hope i mean hope is so important and we talked about it. it's it's one of the key it's associated with as we already talked it's associated with so many benefits and all of us know when we felt hopeless at a point in time hopeless in a relation and not to say that hey by the way not to say that you know if you're in a really uh, toxic situation in a relationship obviously it, you know you don't want to always be hopeful there's there's a time at which hopeful is not the right thing to have mm-hmm. um you know if you're in a business that is losing a whole lot of money if you started a business and it's it's a just you know an unwise time for the business obviously you don't keep on clinging on to hope i mean that's a whole other thing but the, the point of it is that hope is so important why there is there's in psychotherapy there is a form of therapy itself called hope therapy And in hope therapy, what you do is it's future based. And they have shown that hope therapy for groups and individuals can decrease depression. It's shown mothers with kids with cancer, allows them to deal with the situation better. And it has helped in couples therapy because one of the hardest things, as we talked about this, if you're in a, if you're in a relationship, there are times all of us, there are times it feels hopeless. And being able to say that, Hey, it can get better and maybe even give a pathway. It's it's like giving someone who's drowning. We've all been in those mo- moments where we feel like we're drowning. When someone throws us like uh, into a bucket, uh, a life vest or something like that. Yeah, you're you're able to feel like okay, maybe things can get better, and that gives the grounding for starting to build something different.
2: But uh, so hope, but uh, with awareness, right? With uh, kind of mindful hope, like to 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 make sure that your hope is based on. Uh, something, right, that is not just a fake hope or just, uh, you know, illusion, and that it doesn't lead you to perhaps things like procrastination, right, where you have hope you're going to manage, but at the end, you're never going to do it or you're doing it in the last moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, you know, there's been studies that mindfulness can sometimes actually uh, hurt motivation in some cases, because we can breathe ourselves, <laughs> we can breathe ourselves to a point that we become very calm, right? But in certain moments in time, that's great to help us kind of get calm, but then we have to deal with whatever's out there. So it's not a hopefulness, as you said, that we ignore the action that we have to take. That's kind of a whole, that's a whole nother thing, which is hopefully, hopefully, it's a hope that allows us to have space. And this is another part of hope is when you have hope, you can start to unwind some of that anxiety, some of the concerns, Mm -hmm. some of the hopelessness, and you can start to maybe have courage because now you have some hope. And hope can engender some level of courage, which is very powerful.
0: Thank you. Thank you for all that. So for our listeners to have a more hopeful week ahead, what's some practice or some exercise, more mindfulness or more hopefulness that you can lead us or leave us with?
1: Yeah, there is there are some great ones and I'll I'll list them off. And and uh, and this is stuff that I've, you know, I've used myself with great effect. Um, But one so here's ones that research has found. One is journaling. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes if we are feeling hopeless. There's something that is making us feel hopeless. So if we want to get hopeful, just sometimes journaling just starting to unpack that stuff, writing it down so we can see it, putting it on a piece of paper. As we all know, journaling is very, very impactful. Another one is looking at those who have made it. So looking at people who have made it, then there's people, I don't know what anyone who's listening to this has their journey. I don't know if it's been harder than mine or easier than mine. I don't know, I just know my journey. But I do know when I go and listen, and this studies have shown when you go and listen to people who have actually, let's say, quote unquote, made it. So when you listen to people and inspirational stories, that also is something that has been shown to inspire hope that again, I have agency, there's a goal and I can have a pathway because other people have done it as well. Another thing is talking to people. Mm-hmm. So another thing is just support by talking it out with others. Hey, I'm feeling a little hopeless. And hopefully, hopefully you're talking to someone who can receive that. So, hey, Pat, I'm, you know, I just want to talk to you, man, because I'm feeling kind of hopeless about X, Y and Z. And it has been shown that therapy, psychotherapy is 40 percent simply empathetic listening. So just by kind of like journaling, just by me unloading it to, to Pat, just by doing that is it can have a big impact. Of course, Pat, being the guy that he is. going to be more than that he'll say hey man listen i I hear what you're doing i hear what you're going through and he can maybe then coach me you know you know and support me in a way that will help me to again kind of ignite some level of hope another thing for hope is to be be cultivate gratitude because hopelessness comes when we feel like we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. and sometimes and i'm not saying this is for everybody we're just kind of sharing some things being able to see that it could be a lot worse and being able to see the positives that we also have can be of immense value. And one of the interesting things for those who have kids or ever seen a kid, they can get very hopeless when they want to get, like, say, a candy from a from a jar or from something and it doesn't work. They will just act as if it's the end of the world. And you look at them as an adult and it will be like, my goodness, hey, the can't, you just have to shake it or you have to do this or you have to do that or whatever. Think about ourselves when we get into a state of hopelessness, that's what happens. Hmm. We get to a state that we when you become very hopeless, you're not able to see. Sometimes I'm not saying always sometimes you can't even see a solution that might be right in front of us. So by beginning to have that gratitude, we can begin to ground ourselves. And then what we can do is maybe and I'm not saying this is always maybe we can start to look at our problem from a different perspective and see that there may be pathways that we hadn't considered. So those are all things that are proven to be very helpful in cultivating hopefulness, going from a place of despair to hope. And then the final one, which is very um, relevant for our talk here, is of course mindfulness. And what does mindfulness do? Hope or hopelessness, let's say, is, you can call it an emotion, a thought, it's a state. And as we all know, one of the powers of mindfulness is to begin to become aware. So oftentimes we may be hopeless without even cognitively, consciously realizing it. So we're walking through a day, let's say, let's make it a day, I may wake up one day and for some reason feel very hopeless for X, Y, or Z. And I have not even stopped to breathe to consider why I'm feeling that way. So now I'm feeling hopeless and I'm acting in a way that's maybe not, you know, exactly compassionate with other people. So mindfulness is, of course, about becoming aware. So now I start to take some breaths and I'm like, huh, what am I feeling? I'm feeling some tenseness on my, my stomach or what have you. is I'm really tense and constricted. What's going on? And by taking time to breathe, I can start to unwind that and consciously feel what's going on. And I may say, huh, I'm feeling really hopeless. And just like we talked about the journaling or talking, I can begin to unwind, unpack and untangle those emotions. I can take a breath, take a sigh of relief. And as studies have shown, mindfulness allows space it allows us to create the space where we can become more self-aware self-manage a little bit better explore ourselves label our emotions and then by doing that we can consciously see what patterns of behavior we're having and we can consciously begin to replace the Mm. those moments of hopelessness with hope the other thing that's very interesting there was a study that was done that showed that when it comes to generating happiness Mm. that hope was actually more powerful than mindfulness now, this is not an either or, right? I'm not saying that either you're mindful or you're hopeful. Obviously, they're together. But just as an interesting tidbit, the power of hope, especially in our day and age where I know it's kind of crazy to wake up sometime and see what's going on, the power of hope really can't be overstated. So my my call to action, my invitation for everyone, starting with myself, is to take some moments mm-hmm. To start journaling, what are the things that we may be feeling hopeful about? Start with the positives. What are the things I'm hopeful about? What are the things maybe you can start to unpack? What are the things I'm feeling a little bit hope less about? Less hope. And how can I start to create a path where I begin to shift that? Because the beautiful thing, as we all know, you are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You can choose which emotions and thoughts to empower. And thoughts are coming at you all the time. But the beautiful thing is you can choose which one of those thoughts that you empower. Mm -hmm. But more than that, you can also consciously introduce thoughts as well. So as we begin to consciously and live life consciously, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So this has been something that I said, whenever I talk, I'm talking to myself first, because I need to hear this more than anybody. And and it's it's just a it's a, as I said, call to action. Starting with myself is to take some time to think about where are the areas that consciously where hopelessness might be keeping us from avoiding certain things, avoiding the talking to people that we need to talk to. We need to have some uncomfortable conversations. Oftentimes we don't feel "Ah, it's hopeless. There's no way I'm going to be able to have a conversation with that person. Right. Mm -hmm. Courage. It, It can affect courage um maybe it's it's taking making a making a uh taking a step on something we want to do making a youtube video maybe reaching out to someone maybe this maybe that whatever the case may be maybe it has no action really associated with it except for that it's kind of dragging us down so so uh, as i said um i just wanted to share this because this is something that's been very very powerful for me and um and, and I hope for other folks, anyone listening to this, I hope that I hope <laughs> I hope that uh, that we can all really spend some time to try and cultivate the feeling of hope within us. And as we do that, we can see how that can actually have a ripple effect with other people as well.
2: Mm-hmm. There are, I mean, there will be a lot of more things to unpack from. Uh, you know what i'm thinking now and uh, connected with hope right um but it's um it, it's like you know f- from one side i'm uh I, my my mind is always very logical right the logical thinking so sometimes um uh, for me hope is uh, often uh, a, a, a series of uh, passage that i can predict ahead right and the risk that I evaluate, right, that are in front of me. And if all this past, I, I, and I can just visualize, like, mindfully, you can, you know, visualize how things are going to happen, and you actually can have an idea if you can have hope to achieve something, right, or not, right? At least for the concrete things. I'm not saying for, you know, uh, living uh, you know, long life without uh, illness, right? So for that, I, it's totally unpredictable. I can just, but for all the things that, uh, for example, talking to someone or, you know, having to say something to somebody else or whatever, that is very predictable, right? So I would distinguish um, to, you know, what I can forecast with what is, uh, is almost like a belief, right? It's just um, w- without any uh, connection to, to reality, it's just pure heart, I don't know how you see yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's,
1: a, that's, a, that's an interesting distinction. And what I might, you know, and I think that you said, I might say what you said, just maybe rephrase it just a little bit. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it was it was great. It's really about almost a state of mind. It's almost like gratitude. Being a hopeful person, it's a trait, right? And And just like gratitude, and as we know from neuroplasticity, these are things that we can cultivate. So the beautiful thing is, as we cultivate that hope, it becomes a just like you're strong. Let's say so you can go and lift some weights in the gym, but because you're strong, you know you can go and move fifty pounds bags of rice in the grocery store for a old person that can't move it. It's the same kind of capacity. So as we build hope, so you it's yeah. it's again it's it's almost a it's a pre-rational, it's an unconscious thing as you build that hope. So something happens, like you said, like, you know, I need to talk to someone so you can rationally say, well, I can hope about that. But as we become hopeful people, then life throws its challenges at us. And not not to say that, you know, none of us are perfect. We're all going to have moments of, of weakness. But as we begin to develop that hope and it becomes almost a second nature, then something hits us from life that we weren't expecting. And nobody here, nobody is perfect none of us are like mindfulness Mm -hmm. gurus to the point that we all have challenges. And and if we don't think we will have a challenge that'll kind of hit us. So it's just a, it's kind of a state to be in and it's a wonderful state and we're never going to have it a hundred percent. But then when things come unexpected, we default to gratitude, we default to hope. And even if it shakes us for a little bit, we can then even unconsciously, hope can come over and kind of help us ground again. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a, beautiful thing
0: what's that that wise quote out there hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the the darkness so paying attention to to what's here like you said all those different thoughts coming in and being able to discern those thoughts and then choose you know how we're gonna go into the next moment how we're gonna be very hopeful conversation very hopeful practices and and exercises i'm feeling more hopeful i want to learn more about hope thank you so much for the time lele and gashir all the best
2: you're welcome and thank you everyone and thank you everyone for listening yes see you in one week with another episode of our mindfulness and wm podcast until then be hopeful